Uh, let's go ahead and let's read Philippians chapter 2. And let's look at verse 12 and 13. This is a passage of scripture that many people misunderstand. Uh, Paul says, therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence. Everybody say absence. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God, then he goes back and bounces it off, who works in you both to will and to do or to work for his good pleasure. Everybody say his good pleasure. And so I want to talk to you from a message today entitled uh, Level Level Up Part 1. We're going to call this message Private Practice. Private Practice. Everybody say Private Practice. Private Practice. And so I'm excited about this series. And, uh, and, and let's, you know, the fact of the matter is that when you think about it, um, you know, and maybe all the parents can say amen to this or you would agree. Um, and those who have really been around kids, what they do in front of you and what they do when they think that you're not looking is are two different things. Come on. Any witnesses in here today? Okay, I got three kids, and over the years, it's been just really interesting. I mean, I remember one time the kids decided while while we were sleeping, we didn't get out of bed yet, and they thought we were sleeping, and so they decided, they were like, you know what? We're going to give our cars a bath in in the living room. And so they got a cardboard box, and, (laughs) and so they got their cars, they got their cars, and they put their cards in the cardboard box and they just went to the bathroom sink and filled the pitcher full of water. And they just went in there and they were just bathing their cars in the middle of the living room floor with carpet. And uh, we came out and I remember then they were in the, the, the bathroom and they're there in the bathroom and the, you know, in the sink, they had a big old rag that they were using and they were just washing the rag and they're just having a blast and they have no clue what's going on, whispering, talking crazy. And they had no clue that I had actually snuck up behind them and I was actually standing there just watching them. So I said, I was just like, that's all I said. They jumped like Casper, the friendly ghost just, just came in the room. Like they were just like, oh. And if you know Gabriel, Gabriel is the spokesperson. So Noah's just standing there twiddling his thumbs like, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh. What can I say so we don't get licks? What can I say? That? And, and Gabriel's like, well, um, 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 we were, we were, um. Well, he was just trying so hard to figure out something to say. And he couldn't put words together, you know. But, he, but this was a moment where they had no clue that I was actually there. And I was watching and paying attention to what was going on. And so they thought that their actions were, they could just, they had a card blanche to just do whatever they wanted to do in what they considered to be my absence. Somebody sees where I'm going. Can I just bring it personal to myself? I'm always talking about my kids. How about me? You know, uh, I remember there was this one time I was in the car. And as I was in the car, I was with my wife and, you know, and I was going home and I, and I, I had a, I was in a gossiping place. This was many, many, many years ago. It's not now. Uh, I'd say like maybe like eight or eight to ten years ago I don't even remember exactly how long and we were driving and I was talking about this person I was talking about them I was talking 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 just going off on you know things that they were doing and their perspective on stuff and I was just going in can I just be real see some of y'all are acting like you never gossiped in your life and so I'm sitting there talking and I don't know what it was I just felt compelled in that moment 
So I just pull out my phone. <laughs> and apparently the butt-down ministry, come on somebody. I don't know how. Maybe it was Jesus trying to teach me a lesson. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm the only one that that's ever happened to. But the butt-down ministry happened to be calling this person. And thank the Lord for his glorious mercy that I pulled it out just in time to see that the person I was talking about, my phone was calling them. And I was able to hang it up really quickly before it got them. Maybe I'm the only one that's ever been there. But oftentimes, when we're employing certain behaviors, we think that we're in our private life. Come on, somebody. Behind the scenes. We don't realize that there are eyes oftentimes. And sometimes when we think that we're alone, we're not really alone. Are you going to stay with me this morning? And so this morning, I want to talk about something that I believe in terms of leveling up. I want to talk about something that I believe is an integral part of success for you and I as individuals, especially as Christians. The Bible actually has a lot to say about it. And over these next two weeks, we're going to unpack it. But I just want to kind of set it up this morning. But I really want to talk about this because even for us as a church, we've been for the past few months, we've been going deeper, the series deeper. We've been fasting. We had the Surf City Leadership Academy. We had Surf City one day where these leaders came in and poured into our core team and all this sorts of stuff. And it's just it's been incredible. However, the fact of the matter is, watch this. I believe that in order for us to level up to a place where we can prepare to handle what it is that God has for us, the Lord put on my heart that we have got to be to a place where we walk in integrity. Everybody say integrity. Now, integrity, integrity, uh, just by definition, is the quality of being honest, being honest and having strong moral principles, moral uprightness and this, in order for this definition to be, uh, to be especially accurate, it has that mean and talk about the fact that it's not just in public. Come on, somebody. But our private lives, if we are an integrous person, you know, many of us, we actually butcher uh, the fact we say, you know, that's an, inte- that's an integral person. That's actually the wrong use of the word. And all the English teachers said, amen. Integral actually means something that's key or that's pivotal or important. An integrous, everybody say integrous. An integrous person might just be seen as, seem as mere semantics, but it's important for us to know these things. Uh, so so no, nobody makes a meme about you. Hello, somebody. <laughs> the, the grammar police. But integ- uh, inte- an integrous person is someone who walks with integrity. It's someone who, when we look at them in their public life, their public life and their private life, that they match up. Are you with me on this morning? In fact, if I think about this thing, you know, the Bible, and, and well, I'll, I'll go there another time. But there's a philosopher by the name of uh, George Berkeley who proposed for our consideration. This is a question that many of us know uh, and heard, have heard over time. And it says, you know, if a tree falls in the forest. How many of you ever heard this question? Okay. If a tree falls in the forest and there's no one around to hear it, does it make a sound? If a tree falls in the forest and there's no one around to hear it, does it make a sound? And in fact, this is appealing to the fact that the objects of sense only exist when they are perceived. So hearing or sound only exists when there's someone around 
to hear it. That's what that's what this is proposing or challenging us in the area of when unless there are eyes to see something right. The concept of this sense only exists where there is something or there is where it is perceived. The fact is that many of us, we actually live our lives as if, come on, as if our actions matter most or only have consequences in front of others. Uh, can, I just, can I just set this thing up this morning? We live our lives as if our actions only have consequence or matter most when it is that we are in front of others. So just as a tree only making sound, if someone's around to hear it, we think that our actions only matter most when there are someone around or only matter uh, when there is someone else around. And the fact of the matter is that so this means and this is why our lives in private oftentimes don't match our lives in public. Can I just break it down real simple today? This is very important for us to understand. But if we are integrous individuals, if we are people who walk in a place of integrity, our public lives and our private lives, if the walls could talk, oh man, what would they say? If your computer screen was as loud as your mouth is when you're around folk. Well, what would it say? Who am I talking to this morning? The end of the day, the fact is that we have to challenge ourselves and really ask ourselves and talk about it because if we oftentimes will only think, we oftentimes only think that our that our lives, that our lives and our actions matter most when people are around. And the fact of the matter is, I, I just propose a couple reasons why this will happen. And then I'll give you a few points and then we'll be out of here. The first thing is, I believe that most people think, most people think uh, uh, that one of the issues is that for some of us, it's a self-worth issue. Everybody say self-worth. For many of us, it's a self-worth issue. In other words, we don't value ourselves enough to care about how we affect ourselves when we're by ourselves. Yeah, 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 yeah. Pick it, pick it. You know, I got to do one of them. We don't value ourselves enough to care about how we affect ourselves when we're by ourselves. So it's a self-worth issue. If we could just take this thing slow, I just want you to grab this thing. I want you to get it because many of us, we actually don't, because if we actually cared about ourselves, if we actually valued ourselves as much as we value the opinion of others, then we would care about the fact that we are hurting ourselves or affecting ourselves. Our actions affect us when we are by ourselves. And so for many of us, it's a self-worth thing. It's a self-worth thing. And I ask this question all the time, you know, and I, I think it's, it's one of the, the two greatest commandments that Jesus would encourage. Jesus says that the greatest commandments are to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul. And what's the second one? To love your neighbor as yourself. We find this especially in Matthew chapter 22, verse 39, this declaration that we are to love our neighbor as ourselves. And my question then to all of us, including myself. And this is what I ask all the time. If you were to love your neighbor like you love yourself, would it help them or harm them? I'm not talking about loving them like your front. I'm talking about loving them like you love yourself in your private life. 
Would it help them or would it harm them? If you were to love another family like you love your family. Can we just keep it real today? Everybody say level up. If you were to love your family or love other families like you love your family. Come on. Would it help them or harm them? These are things. If you were to love someone else like you love your spouse. Would it help them? Or would it harm them? Not only a self-worth issue, but for many of us, it's a worship issue. In other words, we value and honor and serve the opinions of others over God. So not only do we not love ourselves enough to care about how we affect ourselves when we're by ourselves, but we, some of us, it's a worship thing. We actually venerate, we honor, we adore, and we serve the opinions of others or people, we idolize them and their opinions above God. I mean, is this making sense to somebody this morning? And the fact of the matter is that we need to understand that this is a very big thing. Because let me tell you this. Let me tell you this. The fact is that even if there are no humans present, and sometimes, let me, even, let me even say this, because sometimes we think there are no humans present, but there actually are people peeping. Remember I told you the story of there are people that are around, and sometimes other people are affected by what we're doing because we don't know that they're paying attention, and we think that we're getting away, and we don't realize that our lack of integrity often affects other people. I remember I was in a room, I had an opportunity to be in a room with uh, some very, very big name preachers, uh, and, and uh, yeah, well, I won't go that far because it will just give it away, but very, very, very uh, people that people look up to. And I remember I was there, and I was a younger, uh, young guy in the ministry, and I'm just excited, I'm just geeked, man, I get to be in this room, I get to see these guys, oh wow, I wonder what great nuggets I'm going to get behind the scenes when I go behind there, and I get to sit at this table, this is going to be incredible. And this was many, many years ago, and I remember just going in there, sitting in there, And as soon as I got in the back, the conversation that these guys were talking about, man, the stuff that they were saying, the people that they were insulting, it was just ridiculous. And as a young guy, I'm just sitting there. I'm like, they probably didn't think I was really paying attention. But the stuff that was being said, I'm like, man, this is off the wall. I cannot believe that who I see out front That what I'm seeing out front is not matching what I'm seeing behind the door. Because oftentimes, we think that people are not there, but they're actually there. But even, even, even if there are no human eyes or ears present, you still always have an audience of one. Ah, my God. In fact, look at your neighbor, tell them there's always an audience of one. Come on. I love the way that David puts it. We're going to get to the text. We're going to get to the text here in Philippians chapter 2 in a second. But before we do that, keep your finger there. Go with me to the book of Psalms. And we're going to look at Psalm 130, uh, Psalm 139. And look at what David declares. Psalms, for those who are new to Bible, is in pretty much in the half of the Bible. Uh, but in the first half, it's right in the middle. Uh, but the first half of the Bible, Psalm 139. And we're going to read verse 1 through 12. Listen to what David said. He says, Oh Lord. You have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down. Here it is. Look at, look at how intimately David says God knows him. And are acquainted with all my ways. How much of my ways? Even before a word is on my tongue. 
says, behold, O Lord, you know it all together. Sometimes you just need to read the word and let it preach for itself. You hem me in behind and before and lay your hand upon me. And this is not just negative connotation. It's talking about the omnipresence of God and his presence, especially in our lives. Look at what it says. He says, uh, you hem me in before and lay Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. Does God ever just blow someone's mind? I mean, I sit there sometimes, you just think about how awesome God is and it's just, and, and what, who he is. And it, your mind just gets to a place where it can hardly contain. And the Bible says, uh, he says in verse 7, where shall I go from your spirit? Oh, where shall I flee from your presence? Says, if I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, or which is another word, another word for hell, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me and the light about me by night, even the Darkness is not dark to you. The night is bright as the sky for the darkness is as the light with you, man. So David makes it clear. He's asking, where can I go from the presence of God? In other words, there's nothing that we can do that can and get, that can separate us or hide us as Adam and Eve thought that they hid, that they could hide from God. And this is this is what we think. And so we have to realize and understand that when we are by ourselves in our private life, that even if there are no humans present, that we still and always have an audience of one. So I'm talking about a worship issue because we, we, we oftentimes we value and we honor the opinions of others over God. So we act one way in public and then we act another way behind the scenes. And the fact of the matter is, as David makes it clear, or no, rather Solomon makes it clear in Proverbs 15 verse 3, the, the eyes of the Lord are everywhere beholding the good, what is done in good and evil. And so this is not just a negative thing. It's just telling us about our audience. How about Ephesians chapter 4 verse 30 where the apostle Paul reminds the church at Ephesus. He says, don't grieve the Holy Spirit of God by which you were sealed to the day of redemption. So not only do you have an, an external audience with God, but if you are a Christian, you have an internal audience. And you can grieve the Holy Spirit. In other words, you can sadden the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has emotions. And so by our actions, by the way that we live, we are encouraged not to grieve the Holy Spirit. Can I just teach a little bit this morning? Because we need to understand that God is always present. And not just out there with a lightning bolt. That's not what I'm trying to communicate. I'm not trying to communicate that God is there waiting to judge you in every step and every mistake that you make. But I'm here to challenge you to consider that your private life is just as important as your public life. And if you and I are going to be integrous individuals who are to a place where we can hold and handle what God has for our lives, we ought to level up. Can I keep it real on this morning? You need to understand that. See, one Ananias and Sapphira, the story in Acts chapter 5, which is a New Testament story. I like to always highlight that because these are two individuals. I'll summarize the story. Uh, what they ended up doing was they were deceptive. They decided that they were going to 
uh, they, everybody was selling their properties and bringing the finances to the church and laying them at the feet so that they could uh, meet the needs of the people who were in the church community and beyond. And Ananias and Sapphira, what they did is in private, everybody say in private. The Bible actually makes it clear at the beginning of the chapter in Acts chapter 5. It actually makes it clear. Look, a man named Nias and his wife Sapphira sold a piece of property and with his wife's knowledge kept back for himself some of the proceeds and brought only a part of it and laid it at the apostles, the apostles feet. So they're like they had conversation in private. They didn't just show up to the church and say, you know what? We're here, you know, we're going to go ahead and we're going to just try and play a trick on the pastors. And we're going to act, we're just going to act like we did one thing. And that, no, before they got there, it was premeditated. They spent time in private, not realizing because Peter ends up challenging them and saying, you lied not just to men, but you lied unto God. Because God is present in the private. Man, let me say it again. God is present in the private. And God's presence in our private matters. And what we, how we handle God's presence in our private matters more than the way, the appearance that we put up in front of people. Man, if we would grab this thing this morning, I'm telling you, it would bless your life. It would bless your life because this is important to understand that God is always there. And for some of us, it's about ignorance. The reason why we're one way in public and we're another way in private is because ignorance, because we just didn't even know that it matters. And I'm here to tell you that it does matter. It is of importance on today. It is important. And for some of us, we are succumbing to the reality of our inability And what I mean by this is the fact that you're realizing you're like, you know what? I'm in a place where I am unable naturally or in and of myself to be able to do this. It's hard for me because I care about what people think. It's hard for me to honor God in my public life and in my private life. And so for many of us, this is a challenge because we are unable. And so we succumb or we give in or we fail and we're in this place. And the reason why... Is because we've succumbed. But watch this. Let's go to the text for today. Philippians chapter 2. I want you to look at what Paul says. And I'm just going to give you three points and we'll be out of here. Paul makes it clear here in verse 12. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed. Everybody say obeyed. So now, not only as in my, in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Firstly, firstly, he's talking about what we're talking, he's talking to the church at Philippi. He's encouraging them. You know, it's, uh, there are a lot of people when the, when the teachers are around, come on somebody. And when the, and in this case, when the pastor's around and we put on a certain front and yes, pastor, I'm so glad to see glory to God. Hallelujah. I'm blessed and highly favored of the Lord, you know? And then when we leave, We act a different way. And so what he's saying here in the text, he's saying not don't just obey in my presence. Because I don't have a heaven or a hell to put you in. He's saying, listen, I didn't die. Pastor Andrew didn't die for your sins. And I think a lot of times, even as it pertains to ministry, even as it pertains to our view of leaders in ministry, many times we worship leaders more than we worship God. 
Can I say that almost at the expense of your view of me? It don't matter. I don't want you to worship me. I don't want your worship. Come on, somebody. I'm not God. And many of us, we will act one way in front of spiritual leaders, but then we'll, when in their absence, we walk in a place of disobedience to God as if my approval matters more than Jesus' approval. Man, this is a hard word, I know, but it's okay. Level up. And so he's saying, he's making it clear, don't just obey in, in my presence. He says, but even in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Here, it's important for us to know that he's not talking about earning your salvation. In context, he's talking about obedience. Because this is the same Paul that says, it's by grace that you're saved through what? Faith. It is the gift of God. It is not of works, lest any man should boast. So he says it all, Titus 3 verse 5, he says that, uh, that he saved us not by works, but by the washing, renewal, regeneration of the Holy Spirit. So it's clear in multiple places, the same Paul says that we don't work to be saved. So what he's talking about is that if indeed you have experienced salvation on the inside, that we are to do our part in terms of working this thing out on the outside, better known as sanctification, which I don't have time to get into. But essentially, it's God working himself from the inside out on the outside and our partnership with him in doing so. So so for those of you, this is it here, because many of us have been failing, especially if you're a brand new Christian and you're like, you know what? This thing is hard. And the fact is that God's desire is not For you to work out your own salvation or show it on the outside or live with integrity by yourself or with your own strength. This is why. Are we still in the text? Look, Philippians chapter 2 verse 13. He says, for it is who? It is God. He says, it is God who works in you both to will and to work his good pleasure. So the way that we walk in integrity, the way that we're able to have a life that matches not just in public, but also in private is by submitting or yielding ourselves not to, I'm going to try harder. I'm going to work harder. And then when we fail, we kick ourselves and we're just like, screw this, man. I can't do this anymore. No, it doesn't happen by that. By baby steps, step by step, by yielding and submitting to the strength and the power of God. So leveling up doesn't just happen by our efforts, but it's a partnership where now this new life that we've been given by God, we couple it with God's supernatural power. Man, this stuff gets me excited because because some of you, you showed up and you thought you had to do it on your own. I'm so glad that Jesus doesn't leave the leveling up just to me because I'll fail every time. And many of us have been failing and not seeing any progress because we come on, talk back to me if this is good, because the fact is that we've got to trust in Christ's ability and put ourselves, put our trust in his strength and he in partnership with our efforts will give us the ability to walk in a place of integrity and victory in our lives. Come on, somebody. It's him who works to will and to do his pleasure in our lives. But we have to be in a place of submission to him. And I talk about this over and over and over again because it's, it's not about trying harder. It's about trusting harder. So three points. Three points for you around integrity and the value and the importance of integrity. Point number one. Everybody say number one. Integrity contributes massively 
to our capacity and our longevity. Let me say it again. It's up on the screen for you. Integrity contributes massively to our capacity and our longevity. It is without question that God wants to bless you. David declared, because he knew this fact so much, goodness and mercy shall follow me all of the days of my life. And for many of you, book this, peep this, goodness and mercy has been running after you all of your life. Watch this. But it's waiting for you to be in a place where you actually can handle it if it was to sit on you. If goodness and mercy was to, to catch up with your life, would you be able to handle it? Who am I talking to? It's not a question of whether or not God wants to bless you. It's not a question of whether or not God has great things for you. Come on, somebody. Or whether or not he wants you to walk in a place of victory. But if indeed he was blessing was to show up and sit on your life, would it be a blessing or would it be a curse? Let me tell you this. Let me tell you this. Let me poop your party for a second. The fact of the matter is, oftentimes what we're begging God for is a curse in blessings clothing. That one gets one too. Pick it, pick it. Oftentimes what we're begging God for is a curse in blessings clothing. It's not what, see the fact of the matter, the reason why it's a curse is because we're not prepared to be able to handle it. You've been begging God for a spouse. I don't know who I'm talking to this morning, but you don't even, you don't even have your single life together. And the fact of the matter is that you need, and I need to realize and understand, as I tell you all the time, marriage is about two holes coming together. Come on somebody. And you think somebody's going to complete you when in fact God has called you to be to a whole place. So, and if you can't handle your single life there's no way in he double hockey sticks that you're going to be able to handle married life who am i talking to this morning asking god god i want that fortune 500 job god i want that raise god i want to be able to be elevated in my job and and goodness and mercy is running around like hey you know what you know i could give you this raise i could take you to the next level but what would happen if you can't even handle the mcdonald's job that you have right now come on somebody if you can't handle flipping burgers why is god gonna curse you with a promotion to another position can i just talk about it on this morning because one of the things that we need to understand one of the things that we need to understand is that uh there is something in integrity called structural integrity integrity somebody say structural integrity And structural integrity is to where, watch this, it's the ability for an item to be able to hold together under a load, including its own weight. And the fact of the matter is, thank you, sir. The fact of the matter is that many of us, watch this, many of us, it's not even about us being to a place where we handle some exterior weight. Sometimes there are many of us where we can't even handle our own selves. Oh man, did you you hear what I said? We're looking to add people to our lives and we're too much for our own selves. Oh my God. Man, I'm I'm just going to preach myself happy this morning because you, you, you asking, you're saying, God, I need some more friends. And God's like, you need to learn how to love yourself first because your life is imploding while you're begging me for more friends. Who am I talking to? I can't. 
structural integrity. Somebody say structural integrity. And so many of us, many of us, we need to understand this, that this is the way, this, this is a toothpick. And for some of us, our lives are, this is why integrity is important. Because some of you didn't realize that, again, the concept of having integrity, both uh, being in a place of living one way in public and the same way in private. It's because God only blesses a life and God will sit on a life. Come on, somebody that is prepared to be able to handle. He'll shower out these blessings and these things in a place where we're able to handle. Book this, book this. So say our lives are, is this, are is in a place of this toothpick. And God's blessings, let's represent it by bricks. Because God's blessing, if I could just paint the picture, is always bigger than us. How many of you know that you can never outgive God? Who am I talking to? You can never outgive God. You and I, we can, we can never exhaust the love of God. We can never exhaust the things that God has in store for us, in store for us. But in many cases, our ability to handle what it is that God has for us is what determines, is what determines the level, it's our capacity. Remember the point is integrity contributes massively to our capacity and our longevity. Now, if I was to, if I was to, uh, do, Brian, come here real quick. Come here real quick, bro. I'm going to let your hand be at risk in, in the name of the Lord. Take one for the, take one for the team. Do it for the vine. Hallelujah. So if, if just go ahead and, and hold that there. So if I was to, <laughs> if I was to hold this thing, right? And you can move your hand in a second. And, and, and if I was to drop the blessings, three, two, one, right? This thing would collapse. It would be overtaken, this toothpick, by the blessing. It would be crushed because it does not, it's not positioned. It's not that the toothpick is not big enough. Because God's blessings are always going to be bigger. But it's not positioned. It doesn't have the right structure around it. Who am I talking to? To be able to hold it. Look at this. Check this out. Check this out. So this same toothpick surrounded by some structure. Maybe this is only good to me. I'm just, I, I just, I'm preaching my own self happy this morning. I just, you know, this is, this is so dope. So peep this, peep this, peep this. So, so this toothpick surrounded or in a position where it's surrounded by some structure by some integrity it comes to a place where even though it's still the same toothpick if it has some integrity around it who am i talking to this morning if it has some integrity it now is positioned to be able to handle the big weighty massive come on somebody blessings of the lord and it contributes to us being in a place of longevity god's desire when he blesses you this is why he holds back some of the blessings from some of us and and holds back even with our church the reason why we're not we haven't even gone to the next level in growth as of yet come on is because in some areas we're still in need of some growth who am i talking to this morning? can i just keep it real even as the pastor and god has thousands hundreds of thousands of people in the district of scarborough that need to meet jesus and he's saying until we level up somebody shout level up 
The things that he, he his because he's not going to break me. He's not going to pour his blessings out on me and curse. That's not his desire for my life. And there's so many of you just on a personal level. There's so many of you on a personal level that God desires to bless you, that God has things for you. And But you and I, because we're in a place where we have failed to, to walk in integrity, to have a life that matches externally and privately, we are in a place where we can't handle what it is that he has for us. Is this good to somebody today? And so consequently, I want you to understand this. I want you to understand this. Jesus' lordship, here's point number two. Jesus' lordship should especially be evident in our private lives. Yeah, 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 yeah. Jesus' lordship should especially be evident in our private lives. So that's my question to you. We know that Jesus is lord of this. Hallelujah. In church on Sunday. We know that Jesus is Lord of when you are smiling in people's face and saying what's up and saying your hallelujahs and praise the Lord. But the question is, is Jesus Lord of your private life? I'm asking myself, Pastor Andrew, is Jesus Lord of your private life? This is an important question because his lordship should not just be in public. You know, people that they that they act and they have a front when they, they act like they love their spouse in public. Come on. But then when they go home, it's a different thing. Y'all don't want to be real with me this morning. And so we save face and we act in a certain way. But, and so the question is, how do you treat Jesus' presence in private? Is he Lord in your private life? This is why Paul says what he says and why David says, where can I run from his presence? And I want to see, because the devil, what the devil is doing right now, the devil's like, see, I knew that church was just all about judgment. See, I knew that God just, God doesn't actually love me. God is just waiting to judge me. I want to keep coming against that because it's not about God being in a place where he's waiting to judge you and waiting to break you apart and waiting to wreck your life and waiting to strike you. No, he's lovingly there waiting not only to just look at you, but to empower you to be able to receive and structure your life to be able to handle. And we all, we got to be to a place where we walk in integrity, not just in public, but in, it also encompasses being in private. Can I bring this plane down for a landing? And so I want to encourage you. Point number three, point number three, point number three, private, private practice positions us for public prosperity. So consequently, private practice positions us for public prosperity i love the story of david and you always hear me talk about it i talk about it often god has had me in it for a while and i just love the story of david because he david is an underdog he is the guy that people rejected that people looked at and he was in the background doing stuff being faithful when others were stunting and fronting he was in the back sowing and growing i just okay and so bars, right? But this is the fact. So he's in the back doing his thing. And so in 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 34 through 36, when King, when King Saul, when David is talking to Saul about getting ready to go and fight Goliath when everyone else was scared and he's a young man and he's willing to go and stand up to Goliath, David tells him, he says, I'm getting ready to fight this giant. And the reason why I'm not scared of this giant is because back in the days, come on somebody, he said, I faced a lion in private. Ah, see, Goliath Goliath was in public, but no one was around when he was fighting the lion or the bear. (laughs) 
man if you would grab this thing this morning this will help you because no one was around to pat him on the back go David go David go David nobody was there to be a cheerleader when he was in the back fighting the lion and the bear he was by himself nobody was there to cheer him on when he was back there taking care of the sheep getting a heart of humility who did I show up to preach to on this morning and so the fact of the matter is that it was when he was aside from the cheerleaders in private with he and his God that he was in a place where he was developing what was necessary so that when he got in public and he was in a place where he was going to fight Goliath he developed what was necessary to stand strong who am I preaching to when he was faced with having to knock the giant down I don't know who I showed up to preach to this morning but on this Labor Day weekend I want to help about three or four of you to understand that God is developing us and we got to level up in private so we can prepare ourselves to handle the blessing that he has for us in public somebody give God praise in this place that's why Jesus says it look look in the text I'm not making it up look in Matthew chapter 6 I'm actually going to read this one and then we'll, we'll, we'll we're almost there look at what he says Matthew chapter 6 he says beware in fact watch this not that that doing stuff in front of folk is not important because he also says on the contrawise or on the flip in Matthew 5 16 let your light so shine before men that they may see your good work and glorify your God which is in heaven so it's not even about right it's not even about the doing stuff before people but here he's challenging the opinion where people are to a place where they're the thing that matters most to them is what they do in front of people and they neglect their private life and their reward is what they do in front of folk look at the text look at the text he says in verse one beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them am i making it up or it's in the text for then you will have no reward from your father who is in heaven. So he's saying in the text, I didn't make it up. He's saying in the text that if my only godliness is in front of people, but when I'm in private with Jesus and in my private life, I'm not walking in the same manner. He's saying I have no reward. This is a blessing in integrity. I'm talking about integrity. Verse two, thus when you Give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do. Remember, a hypocrite is a, is a double-sided person. It's a person that acts one way in public and another play, way in private. That's what we're talking about. Integrity is anti-hypocrisy. And so he's saying, make sure that when you do this, you don't do as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. Their reward is the pat on the back by others. But they're not going to get reward from God. Because what happens in private is different than what they're doing for the reward of others. If, listen, if, if your life, it is, uh, you are selling yourself short. If the extent of your reward in life is a pat on the back from people. So he goes on and he says, look, truly I say to you, they have received their reward. That's their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret. And your father who sees you in secret will reward you openly. 
So this is good. This is good. Remember, we're talking about private practice positions us for public prosperity. Verse five. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites. Can we come for the prayer life? Come in for it. For they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. And so there, there were these individuals that they were so focused on people seeing them and looking sanctimonious in front of folk. But in private, you know, they do the now I lay me down to sleep and and snore before the prayer is done. And so he's saying, don't be like the hypocrites that stand in the street corners and they pray to be in a position where people see them. And where they're, they're, they're heard because of their much words. But he says in verse 6, but when you pray, go into your room and shut the door. And pray to your father who is in secret. There's a, there it is. There's that private life. And your father who sees you in secret in the context is he will reward you openly. And so here it is. There's the private life verses and what i sow in my private life is actually going to bring me to a place of prosperity and listen when i talk about prosperity we that's a bad word for many people today because when i talk about prosperity you're thinking about housing cars and if your extent of prosperity is just stuff there are a lot of people that have stuff but they're broke as no joke because if all you have is money Who am I talking to? I don't know about you, but you need to understand that the wealth and the prosperity that God has for us is not just in material things. But you and I, when we get to the place where our private life matches our public life or our public life matches our private life, then we'll be to a place where God, it positions us to be able to prosper in everyday life. Oh my God. And you know, it's not, it's about being honest because there's some of us, we're in a position where we're like, well, you know what? I'm just in a place where this is a challenge and a struggle. Well, let that match. We're all about honesty at this church. And I challenge you from up front to the back because we need to understand that there is power in being in this place. This is, this is why, this is why David says, you know, he says in Psalm 119 verse 11, I have hidden your word in my heart that I may not sin against thee. There's, there's, there's power in, in meditating on God's word day and night as he says in Psalm chapter 1. He challenges us to do so. He says that, that blessed is the person who does that for he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that will bring forth his fruit in his season. His leaf shall not wither. Am I in the Bible? And whatever he does will prosper. This, this is text. This is Bible. As we're planted, as God, as Michelle was telling us last week, as we abide in Christ and we, we spend in our, in our private time. There are many people, you know, over the years, and it's, you know, and there's no glory to myself, I praise God. They, they uh, especially my wife, over the years, I've been labeled the human, a human Bible, right? And that's what my wife, that's what they've been calling her, our walking Bible. Because, um, because of my ability to memorize or to quote scripture from heart. And part of it has to do, I don't know about uh, the other West Indian Christian children that grew up, but when I was a child, my mother would make sure, make sure that I memorize my memory verses. And I remember from the begin, from, from I was a child, I had to memorize the books of the Bible, 
and all of this stuff. But as I got older and as I got saved and I read in Psalm 119 verse 11 talking about I'll hide thy word in my heart that I may not sin against you. Come on somebody. And when I'm reading that I'll be like a tree planted by the rivers of water if I'm meditating, if I'm even in my private life imbuing myself. Come on somebody with the word of God that that, that, that I'll be like a tree planted and my leaf will not wither. I'll bring forth fruit and seed. There is power in ingesting God's word and being in this place. And so it didn't happen there. I didn't become, quote unquote, even though I don't see myself as such, a walking Bible or whatever because of just being to a place where I would learn scripture on the spot. I realize it's crazy. It's from go, being in the private practice of the, with the Lord. I would be in a place where I would, over the years, and I've told some of you this stuff, I remember I'd show up with people, people with stage 4 cancer and be able to lay hands on them, come on, and see them healed completely and walk out of the beds and are healed. I've seen people, I've been able to lay hands on people who couldn't have children, come on. And I've seen, you hear stories, I talk about them all the time. As glory to God, I can go and show you them right now where the doctor said no and in vitro fertilization failed and their tubes were shut up and all of this stuff and God told me to prophesy and lay hands and they had children and it does not happen because on Sunday mornings I'm just showing up and jumping and exciting but it happens because there's something that takes place behind closed doors come on somebody and many of us we want to experience the miraculous power of God and the blessings of the Lord but we're not willing to be in a place where our private life matches up with our public life I never forget, and I'm done. I never forget. I remember I was in, I was in, and it's no glory to myself. It's all glory to Jesus. And I remember I was in a time. This is when I started recognizing some stuff. Because some of us, you're like, you know, you hear a message, and I tell you all the time, or even with studying, you're like, I already read this. Sometimes I'll read the same verse over and over and over again. And I'm to the place where I'm like, you know what? I've already heard this verse. And many of you, you show up, I tell you, sometimes we show up on Sunday and we're like, I already heard that scripture or I already heard this. And I want to challenge you to understand that sometimes you just need to put stuff in the bank because I'll never forget. I remember one Sunday I was actually it wasn't even a Sunday. I think it was like a Wednesday night and I had been reading and reading and reading and just putting stuff in the bank, putting word in the bank, putting word in the bank. And I'll never forget one Sunday or it wasn't Sunday. It was like a Wednesday or something. And I bucked upon somebody and they came and they just said, hey, you know, I think I think that God is not good, you know, and I think that God is just, you know, and they were just making some statements in regards to God. And, you know, and I was like, well, in fact, the Bible says in first John four, eight. And I'm like, what? I was thinking to myself, I'm like, how do I even know that? The Bible says in first John four, eight, you know, that God is love. Right. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm standing there, I'm like, are you serious? This is when I had just, I had just gotten saved not too long before, but I was spending time in my private life, you know, trying to level up, trying to get to a place where God's word was in me, man. And I didn't even note, I had read that, I don't even know when I read it. But it was in the bank. And the Bible makes it clear that the Holy Spirit will bring to remembrance the words of Christ. And so I challenge you today, level up part one, get to a place where we engage in private practice, not talking about the TV show. Don't go binge watch it on Netflix, but we got to be to a place where our private life matches up with our public life because there's a benefit. There's a benefit. All of our worship should just be in front of folk, but it needs to be 
behind the scenes because our private life matters just as much or more and what happens in the dark season and in the private season and in our private time it comes out and it makes impact in our in our uh, big in our public season go ahead and give god praise if this message was a blessing to you today